My name is Scott. I am the leadership pastor here. Before we begin this morning, please pray with me. God, thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to worship you, to seek you out. As we bring forward our our pain and uncertainty, we ask that your presence would be here. That we would see it, feel it, embrace it. Amen. Back when I was 17, I uh, took a quick trip to the beach with some of my friends. When the beach is about two hours away, you find every excuse to get over there. So we went for the day. We just drove there and expected to spend the day hanging out at the beach with no particular purpose. So we ate the best clam chowder on the West Coast. We threw Fisbee around and laid in the sand. We walked through several beach areas, seeing if there were, is there any, was there anyone we wanted to meet? Near the end of the day, we ended up right back near the water, and my friends were playing Frisbee, and I decided to walk out to an area where there are tide pools. How many of you have ever seen a tide pool? right? A little ecosystem where the water comes in because of the high tide, and then as the water recedes, um, life grows in there. It stays wet in in the water there. Life grows. I decided to look at some of these more deeply, and honestly, I don't know how long passed because I was just looking at each of these little pools, watching these little tiny crabs reach out to try and grab some food, right? See the animals change and move. What I didn't notice is that the storm in the distance had come a lot closer and that the tide that supplied these pools with their very existence was coming in. As the water came up, I realized I needed to get out of there, but I didn't realize just how bad the waves have gotten because just as I had decided I needed to leave, one slapped me across the back and knocked me down. Tide pools have a couple of things in common generally. One, they have little pools, right? That's what makes them tide pools. And second, they are slippery by years of the water splashing over them. Well, next to the tide pools were not so slippery. And I slipped straight off of the rock and fell down into jagged rocks next to me. As soon as I landed, I felt something hit my left side And the wave pushed me forward, and it slid right down my left side. And I could feel the burning pain of knowing I was cut. I was able to push myself up enough to look and see blood coming down the side of my body, just in time for another wave to hit me and slam me on my back. And I felt two pierces in my back. This time they didn't move. They held me in place, right in my upper back. And I was pinned, so I started to roll. And at this point, again... My hand slipped, and I received a cut from my palm all the way up my forearm. I felt like I didn't know where to go. There was no place I could seem to land that wasn't going to cause me harm. I rolled over on my back just to catch my breath, and I saw the biggest wave that my mind could fathom coming straight for my face. I have experienced that situation a few times in my life, not in tide pools, just in life 
where each, each thing I do seems to not fix the situation I'm trying to fix, and instead I get deeper and deeper, though I'm trying until I see that the thing coming for me I have no control over and can't get away from. My guess is that you have probably experienced something like that at some point as well. Stuck in a place where all the directions seem like the wrong ones, and any moment all of it could come crashing down on you. One time in particular was at the church I was at just before I came here to join you at Trinity. I was serving in a church plant, relatively small, started at 30, never got above 150. Good community. I preached regularly. I was leading in small groups. It was a great place to be in many ways. Someone joined the church and ended up in a place of leadership, though, who felt that my appetite for theological pressure, I don't want to say that kindly, pushing on idea, theological ideas with the community, and in particular my Anabaptist Christian theology, was harmful to the church. Uh, this person I didn't know at the time started a campaign with a few other people to stop me from teaching or leading. They were only modestly successful, but modestly successful is all it takes sometimes. I didn't find out about it until a year later that this was even happening. And maybe you've experienced something like that yourself. Maybe not. A scenario in which you find out that over a period of time, Someone has been actively seeking you harm. I had never experienced that sort of situation before in my life that I was aware of. <laughs> I'd never become aware of that before in my life. I had no idea how to handle it, except that my experience uh, was tied to a terrible life moment. At the same time that this was happening, at the same time that I was feeling like I didn't understand why this community I'd given so much to um, seemed to be pulling away, um, I, I was experiencing an unexpected depression. This coincided with the birth of my first son. It turns out, I'm not a crier, guy. What on earth is happening to me today? <clears throat> turns out I had a Deep fear. Of being a failure as a father. I was depressed and felt alone. And the church felt like a dangerous place. Not a safe one. And I remember reading one morning <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians. I read this passage. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts. And all the parts of the body are one body. Even though they are many. We are 
We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, we are all given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? The whole body, if the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted. If all were one and the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that are presentable don't need this. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the part with less honor, so that there won't be division in the body, and so that the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. I put my Bible in a drawer and did not open it back up for a week and a half because I was furious at the feeling inside that if I'm a part of the body, why do I feel like I have been removed? If I'm so much a part of a body, why does the body seem to be rejecting me? Now, granted, I was overstating an experience. I was overstating that what was happening objectively around me, but it felt very true. I moved through that season making difficult choices and bad choices for myself, for my marriage, just struggling to survive. I made it through, but not with the help of the church. Didn't even tell him it was happening. I sought out God on my own and barely clung to that. I couldn't see the church as a body. It looked like a tomb. So I had a sense that I had devoted my life to ministry. I had gone to seminary and knew this was the direction I was supposed to go, but it no longer looked like I think I could do that in the church. So instead, I was going to be in nonprofit work. I was going to be in parachurch ministry. I was going to help however I could, but I didn't think I could do pastoral work. I didn't think that was a place that I would be wanted. And then one day, I received a call that said my name had come up as Trinity was looking for a new associate pastor. And would I be interested? And my first thought when I heard about that I'd be getting the call was absolutely not. I'm pretty sure Trinity is a church. And I don't think I want that. But I prayed and prayed about it, 
and I thought, at the very least, I'll give it a listen. And in that phone call, I was very excited, actually. It sounded really great. You all sounded really great. I was pretty sure it wasn't true. I was pretty sure it was a myth. But I struggled through anyway, praying, waiting to hear the sense that this is not the direction to go. And I remember distinctly a call in Chicago, where I was with my wife, and I was going to be meeting with the search committee online. And before the search committee met with me, Hal Schrader, our former pastor, he sent me a text and said, I want to talk to you before that you talk to the search committee. So we talked. We talked through many difficult things that were happening at Trinity at the time. We talked through many different ideas theologically, places we would align, places we didn't align, how we were going to have to work together, how close we would probably have to be to make that happen. So I told him, I'm scared. I don't trust the church. I'm not sure I can trust Trinity. You tell me how. Can I trust Trinity? And he paused and he took a breath and he said, not all of them and not always, but as a church, I think they'll give you hope. So I gave it a try. I came out here and joined you in ministry work. That was in 2014. I gained friendships through a supper group. I'd never been a part of a group that just got together to eat soup. But that's what we did at first. A lot of soup. It was good soup. I made friends. Began to trust people. I worked very closely with our staff and making changes just to try and get things moving in ways that were healthy and well-connected. It was hard work, but it was good work. And then one year after I joined, Hal died tragically in a motorcycle accident. Half of what I committed to was the things that Hal and I talked about every week. Half of what I was committing to was the trajectory of ministry that Hal and I were working on. And half of what I committed to was gone. The other half was you guys, and it turns out, shortly after Hal's death, we realized not all of you knew who I was. <laughs> I'd been here a year, but as an associate, you don't always see my face around or know what I was doing. And so for some of you, I was just getting to know you. So we struggled. I struggled with the staff that were here. I struggled uh, internally with what it meant to be working with the church in that pain, and I brought everything I could to say, I'm going to bring the best I can to this community to help this community move through this tragedy. But I got to admit, I had no idea what I was doing. I was struggling to guess what sort of recovery happens to a community that lost its pastor who they loved. And here's what happened to me in this time. As I struggled to care for you and did with everything I could bring forward, I received care from you. I received care from you. Small things and big things. 
in the middle of it, I felt that I not only had a place in the church, but that you had a place in the church, that you had built something with each other that I could be a part of. And I felt like the body of Christ existed again. And it only happened in the middle of that suffering. Not afterwards, not without it, but in the middle of it, I saw what could happen in a community. When pain wasn't the thing that defined it, but love was. When suffering wasn't what defined it, but hope was. You made me believe in the church again. Trinity, you saved me. And I'm forever grateful. Lament is a process we go through during times of pain and uncertainty, where we give things up, where we ask God to show up. And when God does, it can show us something we never thought was possible. And I'm not alone in that experience. There are other people in this congregation who have felt the same way. I'd like those of you who asked to join me to come forward now.